So good to see everybody. So good to see you all. Glad you're here. As you guys know, we're live on Discord, but of course we're going to be broadcasting this later on on uh, on our <clears throat> on our uh, podcast platform. So you'll catch it on Spotify, or you can also catch it on you can also catch it on Apple, and you can catch it right away on Patreon. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, or you're listening to this on um, on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you're on. I uh, just know this. This is probably a month removed. However, if you are supporting us on Patreon, you get to get this episode right after we go live. So there you go. It's a little bonus for those of you who support us. And so um, I look forward to spending some time today in the word. As you guys know, we've been we've been committing our time um, through reading the entire uh, Bible. We read through the entire Old Testament and now we're reading through the entire New Testament. And we today we're going to be reading in the book of Luke. So we'll be in Luke chapter 12. I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn your Bible there. We're in Luke chapter 12 and we're going to pray. And in our prayer time, what we're asking are three simple questions. Is God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? What is this scripture saying concerning yourself? Uh, the third, the second question, sorry, I said third question. The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? in our time today as we read your word. And the third question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And it's simply to orient ourselves uh, to hear from God as we spend time in his word. So we're going to pray to get started. And then we're just going to ask the Lord to, to lead this moment, this time together. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you are good. You are great. We come, Lord, with anticipation. We come with expectation. We have nothing prepared other than, Lord, to submit ourselves to you, Lord, in this time together in reading your word. Father, bless this moment as we read it. Father, I pray that you would reveal your heart to us as you reveal your will. Father, that you would refine us, Lord, that we would be transformed by the message of your gospel. Let us see your heart in this word today. Let's be inspired by this word today. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Read with me Luke chapter 12, and it says this. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. 
Do not fear, therefore. You are more value than many sparrows. Ah. Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brothers to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Fast. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Said, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags, which do not grow old, 
a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then is faithful? Sorry, who then is that faithful and wise steward? Whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that serf, servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things serving of the stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given for him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask more. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth, I tell you not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather. And there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Ha ha, there's a lot here. Yes, and why? Even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge, the judge deliver you to the officer, 
and the officer throw you into prison, I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last mite. Luke 13. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all of all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does he use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. But if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered, with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and he said to the crowd there are six days on which men ought to work therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day the Lord then answered him and said hypocrite does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all the adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Then he said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leavened. And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will enter and will not be able. Will seek to enter and will not be able. 
when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, you will begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? When you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, do not, I do not know you. Where you are from, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. On that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you are not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Ooh, we're heavy today. It is heavy today, y'all. Um, y'all already see what Jesus is all about. You can't read the Gospels and read about a passive Jesus. You just can't. And I know we see the movies that have depictions of Jesus, movies that tell us, you know, um, you know, that, that, you know, show Jesus as this really docile man who, you know, speaks softly and, and who's, you know, real, you know, calm and soothing. And then we see all the, men and women who circle around him and with his soothing words, he, you know, preaches and teaches the beatitudes to us. And, you know, Blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. And, you know, it's all calm and it's all docile. He's all sweet. And, and so we often, you know, we've got this view of Jesus that seems passive. But the more you read the Gospels, the more you see how radical Jesus was. Fam, understand this. There's a reason why the followers of Jesus were martyred. There's a reason why Jesus was crucified. 
Of course, there's the eternal implication of Jesus being crucified. There's all the reasons that we can see on CNN for why Jesus or Fox News or I don't know, MSNBC or on our news stations to tell us why Jesus was crucified. It was all over their news. They know why Jesus was crucified. However, we know there's a bigger reason. But if we go back and we and we listen to what CNN is saying and we listen to what MSNBC is saying and we listen to what, you know, uh, Fox News is saying, they're all in agreement about who this Jesus was. This Jesus was a zealot. He was radical. He was snapping. And it's not, he's not snapping just to snap. He's not bringing disorder for the sake of disorder. He's actually bringing order to chaos. He's bringing light to darkness. When the scriptures tell us that the light could not comprehend it. He bore a light that the, sorry, that the darkness could not comprehend. Sorry. He bore a light that the darkness could not comprehend. Meaning where Jesus showed up, he disturbed their peace. There's a peace that Jesus brings and there's a peace that Jesus disturbs. There's a peace that Jesus brings to those who find themselves lost in the sauce who find themselves lost in the chaos, who find themselves in the difficulties and the challenges of life, who find themselves in darkness, there's a peace that, that Jesus brings to those who receive him. However, there's a chaos that Jesus brings to those who want to stay in darkness, to those who want to stay in their way, to do things their way. And so for those who had submitted their lives to Jesus, who gave it all to Jesus, for them, Jesus brought hope. Jesus brought peace. Jesus brought joy. Jesus brought faith. Jesus brought purpose. He brought purpose to those people. Ah, but to the ones who like the things the way that they are, the scribes and the Pharisees who have position, they've got cultural position. They've got power for those who had the money and had the assets and had the resources for those who liked it just the way that it was. Jesus disturbed their peace. Jesus disturbed the establishment. And he didn't disturb the establishment for establishment's sake. He disturbed the establishment so that he can establish the kingdom of God. We read the text and we see Jesus is starting to snap. It's almost like you see a crescendo in his uh, belligerence. There's a crescendo in his disturbance. Jesus is becoming increasingly a problem. And I say all of that because it's important for you to understand that as believers, our posture is not to seek disorder, but our posture is not to be afraid of what comes against us. Let me say that one more time. To be a believer of Jesus Christ means that you go against the grain. A faith and a walk in Jesus is countercultural. We talked about this a bit yesterday. It is not popular. Right? When we were on Discord, we were talking about it yesterday or the day before, I forgot which day now, but we were talking about it over a time just in reflection. 
following Jesus is not popular. It isn't. And so if we won't submit to him, like if we're not going to give it all to him, like if we're not going to, you know, say, okay, you know, Lord, my life is yours. Be Lord over my life. He's going to disturb your peace. He's going to wreck your plans. He's going to wreck everything that you thought was great. He's going to topple your idols. Oh man, it's about to get tough in here. If your idol is your husband, he's going to topple it. If your idol is your wife, he's going to topple it. If your idol is your marriage, he's going to topple it. If your idol is your money, he's going to topple it. If your idol are your children, he's going to topple it. If your idol is your position, he's going to topple it. If you are whatever idol that you have, when Jesus enters into your life, he's going to topple those idols. This is why some people say, man, when I gave my life to Jesus, all of a sudden things just started to fall apart. Maybe the problem isn't that your marriage was falling apart. The problem is that you made your marriage God. And maybe the problem isn't that, you know, your job or your position was the problem. The problem is that you made it God. Maybe the problem wasn't your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your husband or your wife. Maybe the problem was, is that you made them the center of your life and you made them God. Maybe the problem is, is that you chose certain things to rule over your life. And now what's happening in your life is a coup d'etat. I'm sorry, y'all. If I snap for a little bit, but I'm ranting for a little bit. But maybe what you see as a disturbance in your life is actually a coup d'etat. Maybe what's happening is, is that the person who ran your life, who runs your life, or the person that you put to run your life, or the things that you put to run your life, the things that you put to control or to that you submitted your life to, what really governs you? What governs your decisions? Before Christ, you had idols. And maybe some of the things that we're fighting through and some of the unease that we have and some of the disorder that we feel and some of the disturbance that we feel, maybe it's because there's still idols that we are holding on to that it's time for us to let go. Oh man, oh man, oh man. We are already getting a little bit lit up in here. Jesus is disturbing even churches. Jesus is disturbing establishments. Jesus is going into synagogues. And Jesus is turning idols on their heads. Jesus is not popular. And some people will say, well, Jesus was famous. He's the most famous person on the planet to ever live. He's famous human being to ever live. 
and still remains the most famous human being and will always be the most famous human being to ever live. But I would say that he is more infamous than he is famous. We celebrate him today, but trust me, he was not popular in this time. Not with the establishment. And yet so many came and followed him. I say all this to say that we need to evaluate and ask ourselves, what are we really holding on to? What are we really prioritizing in our lives? Like, like what's really, really important? Because if Jesus is the most important thing in our lives, like if Jesus is actually the all of our lives, ooh, this is going to get challenging, y'all. I'm sorry, it's because I love y'all because I love y'all. But if Jesus is the most important thing, if Jesus is the thing, if Jesus is the purpose of your life, then how can we be uneasy about anything that happens? Like, and I say this not in a, you know, not to convict you or not to uh, guilt you, but we have to ask the question, right, family? And it's important that we evaluate and consider where our heart is aligned, especially in times when we're confronted with loss or when we're confronted with the uh, an opportunity or that we're confronted with a, a moment in time where we have to make a decision and it's the decisions that we make that show where our priorities are. And at times those decisions can be difficult and those decisions can be, can be tough. But when it is Christ, you can lose it all for Jesus. Like when it's all about Jesus, you can lose it all for Jesus. Where's your heart, fam? We read a very familiar, uh, a couple of familiar uh, quotes here from Jesus' teaching, but I want to really tie it all together just in a few moments. Um, Cause I don't, you know, obviously I'm just, I'm just out here just ranting y'all. I'm just ranting y'all. Okay. Um, but if we can, if we can just back up for a moment, right. And let's just think about this for a moment. The, the, some of the popular quotes, and if you could tie all those popular quotes together, even in this reading, because there's so many of them here, what is Jesus saying? Like, what is Jesus actually talking about? This, this rabble rousing Jesus, this zealot Jesus, what is he actually articulating to the disciples? And how, and what does that, what does that mean for us? How does it matter for us? I read verse 34 popular verse for where your treasure is there your heart will be also you ever heard it before well you heard it today where your treasure is there your heart will be also or verse 34 but seek the kingdom of god and all these things shall be added to you where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seek the kingdom of God. And of course, we know it from the from Matthew when he says it this way, but seek ye first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be added to you. Where's your treasure? I've heard it said many times that you know who someone's idols are by just looking at their bank statements. <laughs> if you can just look at somebody's bank statements, you can have a good idea of what their idols are. Because your money is your treasure, is it not? Where do you spend it? Maybe that's an indication of where your heart is. Like, what are we chasing after? What concerns us so much? There's a consistent thread as we read through all of Jesus' teachings, because Luke chapter 12 is, is, man, it's red all over. It's red all over. There's red everywhere. And what does Jesus say in the first part? He says in verse six, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are more value than many sparrows. Huh. Wait, God's accounted for every hair on your head. Some of us got more hairs than others. It's all right. Most of y'all got more hair than me. It's all good. Then he speaks about the rich fool. This is, a, this, is how, this is how Luke is curating this. Because, you know, remember, Luke is writing this gospel to Theophilus. We know who Theophilus is. Theophilus is a representative. Theophilus is educated. Theophilus has impact and influence. Theophilus is doing well for himself. Theophilus is not struggling. Theophilus got money. Theophilus is comfortable. This is who Luke is writing to. And he's saying to him, bro, God's got you numbered. He's got every hair on your head numbered. What do you think gives you value and worth? You think it's your education? What, what, you think it's your status? What, because you went to Harvard? Because you studied and became a doctor? Why? Because you got MD or PhD behind your name? Like you think, you think that's what gives you value? Then he's, he goes down and, and he gives the parable of the rich fool. And he says in verse 15, he says, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Did y'all hear that family? Like, did you, did you hear that? That one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses and how much do we live our lives this way? Who rebel rousing Jesus? Because the world will teach you that your value is based off of your education, 
Your value is based off of your status. Your value is based off of who you know, right? If you heard things like your network is your net worth. Ooh. <laughs> or, or ready for this? Your net worth is so-and-so number dollars. You've heard that before? What's your net worth? Our culture today evaluates someone's value based off of the possessions they have, based off of what's in your 401k or your 403b or your retirement plan, as if that determines who you are. I know this might sound crazy and bananas, but they're billionaires who lost hundreds of millions of dollars and have committed suicide because they went from billionaire status to millionaire status. As if their value was dependent on their net worth, what was written in books, what the accountant said that they were worth. They're millionaires who attached who they are to what they have and live in perpetual anxiety, perpetual fear of what? Losing what they have worked so hard for. Some of us, that might be who we are right now. We're afraid of losing what we've worked hard for, what we fought for. This is who we are. And Jesus is saying, family. <laughs> Jesus is saying, fam, beware of covetousness. Beware of, of evaluating, even in comparing yourself with other people. Comparing yourself with those who are out there who you say, man, they've got more money than me or they have more kids than me or they have a nicer husband or they have a nicer wife or they're more beautiful or they have this thing. And so we evaluate who we are and we compare ourselves based off of possessions. And we accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and we wonder why we can't let go. And what Jesus is saying is you can leave this earth and you will leave this earth with nothing you've accumulated. Lies that we're told that our net worth is based off of what we have. Verse 24, consider the ravens for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn and God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds. Your net worth is what God ascribes to you. Your God worth is your net worth. Your net worth is not based off of the money you have and money will not make you more easy and sorry, more at ease or more comfortable. Money may give more opportunities to do different things, but money does not give you peace. 
Funny how the things that don't have money can be at more ease than those things that do. So what are we chasing after? We live in a day and age where people just accumulate stuff. They cannot let go of stuff. They tell us that the storage business is an exploding industry right now. People don't have enough room in their apartments and in their garages for the stuff they continue to accumulate. We don't know how to let go. So then we go and we store it all up into a storage unit and pay hundreds of dollars a month just to keep the stuff we've accumulated. It's nuts. We put insurance policies on stuff that we may not see for years. We're afraid to let go. So our house is saying, well, you know, we see the hoarder shows. We see, oh my gosh, that's not me. Well, it's not you because you went and spent a couple hundred bucks to put everything into a storage unit. I know of a friend who had multiple storage units, multiple, just kept accumulating stuff. He can't even keep track now. He doesn't even know, like he's literally, he doesn't even know what he has inside those storage units, may never see them, could spend years upon years and never see them. Storing up treasures that moth and rust will destroy. Family, your net worth is your God worth. And maybe the problem is that your heart is in things that will rot away. And maybe what rules you today and what governs you today is the treasures you have today. Maybe you have a false sense of comfort. Maybe you have a false sense of 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 peace in it. And now Jesus is throwing you way off. He's toppling that idol and putting it on its head. Maybe the reason why it's hard to be generous. Like maybe the reason why it's hard to let go. Maybe the reason why you just can't, you just don't know how to let go. You may not know how to let go because you're so busy trying to maintain what you believe your worth is in those possessions and in those things. The happiest people are generous people. And I've learned the reason why the happiest people are generous people is because their heart is in something so much greater than any possession or any anything money could ever buy. Their heart is in Jesus. So let's let our heart be in Jesus today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege you've given us, Lord, to come together to read your word. Father, Lord, we're we're being convicted every day that we read and we see your teachings and we see how you challenge us, Lord, to put those idols on our head. And Father, I just pray that you would teach us to, Lord, to let go and to trust you but trust you with all of our lives to live whole lives, like whole 
lives, to live the life that you intended for us, the life in abundance, Lord. I pray that you would teach us, Lord, to um, not ascribe our worth to our possessions. Oh, to learn, Lord God, that Lord, you've called us to release and not to hoard. To trust in you every day with the provision that you've given. Knowing, Lord God, that you give us our bread for that day. So today, Lord God, give us our daily bread. Not just in in this word, but Father, give it in all things, in every dimension. And let us be encouraged knowing, Father, that you are our provider. Can we say that in Jesus' name? Jesus' name. Amen.